The following is a production of the PTB Soccer Podcast Network, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network. The views expressed on the show are those of the host and solely of the host. For more information, follow the PTB Soccer Network on Instagram at PTB Soccer. That's on Instagram at PTB Soccer. Enjoy the show. What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to episode 75 of Mr. Benfica. I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinu, back with you for another episode. A very special episode, that's right. This one is very special because today I have, for the first time in the history of Mr. Benfica in episode 75, a guest. That's right. And you know what? (laughs) This is going to be a two-part episode. Uh, conversation. That's right. My guest today is from Benfica After 90, Mario Mata. He's the host of Benfica After 90. I think most of you know who he is. I believe most of my listeners watch his show on YouTube every day after uh, every match at the end of uh, Benfica's matches. Uh, Mario is joined by his co-hosts Alex and Luigi on Befica After 90, and we talk about that in this episode. We also talk about a lot of the stuff we don't get a lot of time to talk about during the season. Now that we are in the off-season, it's sort of an off-season uh, update, if you will, an off-season talk, all right? Uh, what you're going to hear today is part one of our talk. This is going to be a two-parter, all right? Um, You're going to get the first hour of our conversation in this episode today. I think you're going to enjoy it. There's a lot of stuff we go over. Mario is incredibly knowledgeable on a lot of the things that nobody's talking about. He he understands the business side of the game better than anyone else that I've at least personally spoken to. And he does a good job breaking down that information for us. And we talk about sods. We talk about uh, we talk about finances, the club's finances. We talk about transfers. And um, I think you're going to enjoy it. All right. So we're going to take a quick quick minute to pay a bill right here. And then we're going to have a Reconquista. And on the other side of Reconquista, we're going to get into our talk. It's going to be part one of my chat with Mario Mota of Benfica After 90 right here on Mr. Benfica episode 75. You can follow me on Twitter at Benfica Mr. On Instagram at Mr. Benfica. And on Facebook at www.facebook.com. All right, forward slash Mr. Benfica and MrBenfica.com is getting a facelift, so it's going to look a little bit different very soon. Um, so keep your eye to that as well. Okay, we'll be right back here on Mr. Benfica. Jornada sofrida, a glória da vitória tem que ser bem nutrida. Na reconquista do que é nosso por de 
direito que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Até que não se explica Carrega bem fica Carrega bem fica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós Sozinho em cada esquina um vizinho Sente o carinho do Algarve até ao Minho O vermelho pinta a Tuga e é isso o teu colinho Na reconquista do que é nosso por direito Que eu não vi por fazer o que podia ter sido feito Se queres a nossa força sabes que estamos contigo Em casa ou fora nós somos o eterno abrigo Sabes que estamos contigo Nós somos o eterno abrigo All right, and welcome back to episode 75 of Mr. Benfica. We have a very special guest here this week, all right, all the way up in Canada. Actually, not that far from here, but in Canada, we have our friend from Benfica After 90. It's Mario Mata. Mario, welcome to Mr. Benfica. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It's a pleasure. Big fan of the show. And it's awesome to be able to come out and talk to Benfica anytime. It is great. You are actually the first official guest on Mr. Benfica. This is the first time I've had anybody join me. It has been a solo project up until now, but I think after 75 episodes, we've evolved and it's, it's a good time to bring in another voice and another perspective. It's, uh, I got to say, your solo shows, and I've seen a lot of people try solo shows. Mm -hmm. It's not easy, but the way you do your segments, it's just it, you keep flowing. You can listen uh -huh. to an entire show, be into the whole thing. And it's perfect. Like it's, it's, I got I to commend you. You've done a great job. I appreciate that. I certainly appreciate that. Uh, we're going to start on JJ because that is the hot topic of the summer, at least for now. Um, what are your thoughts about JJ coming back? Were you one of the guys that didn't want to see him back? Uh, do you believe he betrayed us five years ago? I, I think uh, so. Oh, so, 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 such a load of topics. So I'll start with five years ago. <laughs> Let me start there. Uh, I think five years ago, uh, Lucia Vieira decided to take the club a different direction, mm -hmm. not renew with George Jouge. Um, George Jouge seemed to have grand ambitions um, that he wanted more control, more spending, yeah. and Lucia Vieira didn't want that. And we had seen the Bernardo Silvas of the world come and go and right. not really take advantage of it. So the, the story from the club made sense. We got to look at the Shishao, look at all this investment we put in. We got to let's, let's enjoy some of this and let's, we can build a team with it. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like George might not be the right man for it. So the idea was, okay, we're not going to renew and away we go. And, and, and in turn, he went to our rivals and man, did he go with a bang? He went out. Mm -hmm. I remember in the first month of when he left, there's all these stories where he took staff phone numbers, staff players, like, like their phone numbers, contacts. He was harassing, trying to like cause a fuss. Super cup came. It was all this trash talking. 
uh, people go, oh, that was Bruno Carvalho. I'm like, yeah, that guy was a firecracker on his own, but George Juj fully bought into it and fully went to town on this club. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, it was no love lost, and, and everyone's like, all right, I'll see you. Thank you for the cups and never want to see you again. And mm-hmm. Ruth Thaddeus smashed the heck out of him for a couple of years in a row, yeah. uh, which was nice. And, you know, he went packing. Uh, I never actually thought I'd see him back again. Um, and then when he went off to the Middle East, I thought that's it. He went to – you know, write out the rest right of his out years for a contract. Yeah. yeah. His surprise in Brazil, what he did, you kind of have that Portuguese pride that kicks in to a certain extent when you had all those Brazilians just all mm-hmm. some talking trash about the Portuguese league. Uh, and he kind of became the unofficial flag bearer for Portugal. Right. Out in, in, in Latin America and Brazil. And he kind of did it with his typical firework mentality, his, his kind of spunk that he has, his attitude. I love him or hate him for it. Um, and he did us proud as a people. If you're sure. like thinking the Portuguese flag aside of it, he did well with a couple of materials. He did, he, he got those uh, Brazilians eating crow, as some people would say. Um, so good on him. I would rank him as a top quality manager. He's a good mm-hmm. manager. Now, to answer the question, what I want him back, I still personally wasn't looking for George Juche. Mm-hmm. I wanted this club to get an experienced top manager. Um, I think the crisis the club has put itself in has led itself to look less attractive to top managers. Of course. And I really think this is more a call to desperation of here's a guy that Lucia knew that he was able to square with. Uh, George himself has come out saying, yeah, it's a couple of years. I'm getting paid. I'll probably go out and do something else. I don't know if I'll stick around. He's a mercenary. He's getting yeah, paid. He's absolutely. coming here. And he admits it. He does. He says yeah. he's not of any club of any club. He is a professional manager. Yeah. He's coming in. He's just, he's getting paid through a job and he made some lofty demands so as a fan that, you know, if we were to go on at some point and talk about the currency of the club, he, he's changing the status quo and not spending and kind of just limping along, right? So th- that I'm happy about. I think any top manager would demand that. Oh, if you got a Pochettino or you got some of these other guys that were out there in the market, they weren't going to come in just to do what Rui Vittorio Lodge did. They would only come in if the club's willing to spend. Um, I just don't think anyone believed in Bifica or Vieta. Mm-hmm. And I think George Juj knew him well enough to at least – wrangle them up by the balls and contract going right right and you know i followed i followed him pretty closely at flamingo i actually watched most of his matches and i i became quite a a flamingista myself uh, because i just got caught up in it and they played a brand of football that was just so enjoyable to watch that you couldn't help but but support even you know um it being a portuguese manager was just a, a plus but he really did he was criticized heavily on his arrival in brazil you know, the, the, the press came out and said, you know, he doesn't have the category to coach a, a big club like Flamengo. He doesn't have any continental titles. And, you know, he was mocked for having two Europa League finalist uh, yeah. appearances. And with a short, in a very short time frame, um, it was six months or so from that to him winning the Copa Libertadores and completely like you saw the way they've reacted to him leaving. They're, they're devastated. Oh, they're in shock. I saw the funniest article I saw this week was, I forget who the heck was out of Brazil. Uh, someone prominent out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, names eluding me, but in short, he was upset and defending. He's like, oh, everyone's saying that what George Rouge did is what we all have to do. And, and trying to justify all the World Cups and all the greatness yeah. of the Brazilian league. It's had all these decades saying, oh, we, we're beyond this one man. And it's not, the fact that conversation is happening yeah. in Brazil that like, oh, no, we're bigger than this one guy. Oh, we can move on. Our league can continue without this guy. That type of topic, it's, it's comical that, you know, the one, what is the 180 that you, they've done mm-hmm. now? Yeah. Where they've, they've turned around and now you know, they're, 
they're still cocky as heck, I mean, yeah. right, rightfully so, but man, he did a number down there. And, and he re-earned a lot of respect for mm-hmm. myself and I think a lot of Bifikishas. I, I think, think that- so too. I think we all, we watched along and I think the wound has had healed for most of us. And I yeah. think watching the way the previous four or five seasons played out after he left, I think a lot of us came to the understanding that he was pushed out that he didn't fit in what Luis Fliviedo wanted to do with this club, at least the way I saw it. And, um, you know, and he, like they said, him coming back now, right? I'm watching on YouTube or anywhere. you got ESPN Brazil. You've got Fox Sports Brazil. Every day they've got something about Benfica on their coverage. They're covering Benfica as closely as they're covering their own league now. I mean, Benfica, I don't know if they've ever had this kind of um, visibility in, in the world. In the media it's been, it's around been the several world years. the last yeah, couple weeks. It's been a long time since we've had this type of coverage. And, and I've always looked at it this way. You can make money as a club by flipping players and selling mm-hmm. players and, and being financially smart that way if you want to. But the other way is you just market yourself and make yourself bigger. You compete. You make yourself exciting and media outlets for you. Mm-hmm. And then Adidas wants to be your, your sponsor. Right. All these other companies want to be like you – you make yourself a marketing machine and right. grow it, right? And I, and I think that that talk of George Jesus was exciting, but not stopping there, going after key players in Brazil, going after mm-hmm. Cavani, Cavani, all this kind of, just all this type of, the fact that you're seeing Cavani talks, Bifica, this star player in Brazil, Bifica, Tottenham might lose this defender, or Bifica, you know what I mean? It's like any Literally every free agent right Bifica. now gets quickly, yeah. gets quickly lumped into Bifica if they're a free agent. <laughs> yeah, it's hilarious. It's like, you know, I even saw an article saying, oh, well, well this Latin stay at... AC Milan one more year, you yeah. know, Bifica could always be an option. The fact that it's just being tossed out there, it's, hey, I love it as a fan because that's what you want. You want your yeah. club in the damn headlines all the time, of hopefully course. for good reason. But and I, I'd like to think that they're doing this on purpose to give themselves the exposure, but I, I don't have that kind of faith in the people that lead our club. Yeah, no and kidding. <laughs> I think it's kind of a, a happy accident that we're getting this kind of exposure. But it shows when you go after top talent, you know, you get in the headlines and people know who you are and – Surely, if, if Benfica end up closing this deal and we bring Cavani in, whoever we draw in that Champions League uh, preliminary round match, the world's going to be watching to see what happens. Well, that, that, that will be the, like, the marquee game, I think, uh, yeah. at that point. It's not, I'm not just saying it's a Benfica, but it's the fact that it's Cavani's first club and yeah. God knows how many years if he's playing for us. Um, it, it probably will be the most, I guess, from a top talent in, the, in that round of the Champions mm-hmm. League that's actually in that round, right? So, yeah. Which is good because you get these situations where you might have four or six matches going on, whatever the number of matches are, and they'll pick one to broadcast on yeah. the main station, and right. then the rest will be on replays or the or on streaming, know, the, right? Streaming or something like that. So that's what helps put Bifiga probably as like a main option to watch, right? Yeah, it used to be you know you wanted to draw Manchester United or Real Madrid in your group just so you could be on television in the Champions yeah. League group stage because that's the only time I used to see Bifiga on you know American TV on ESPN or on Fox was when they were in a group with Manchester United or Real Madrid because their matches are always shown, no matter yeah. who they play. Yeah, it used to be like the pet peeve where if Bifico was facing, even if it was a decent match, like Bifico versus Napoli, and yeah. then they'd have like a United versus like some Kazakhstanian yeah, side. Exactly. They'd play the United play match. United. Like, Come on, this isn't an exciting match. You know United's yeah. going to win. Put, yeah. put the Napoli versus Bifico. That That's a fight right there. That's going to be a fun match to watch, right? So yeah. it used to be like such a, I don't know. And, you know, the club has 
plucked some of the top talent out of the Brazilian league. So I had the fortune of, of getting to know these guys a little bit from watching the league. Pedrinho is a good player. This new guy, Everton Cebolinha, very, very highly touted. And I had even forgotten he was the top scorer at Copa America last yeah. year uh, for Brazil. So this is a full Brazil international. This isn't like a, a, an experimental project. This is a big signing for Benfica. Yeah, I know. It's the fact that you're that guy. That guy's very exciting, actually. The mm-hmm. fact that we got him, I hope people don't don't sleep on him. It's yeah, uh, yeah the Copa America. He looked amazing. I remember watching him in the Copa mm-hmm. America. Very talented individual. Um, if we he plays well at Bifica, he'll be playing next to Neymar and the other main guys at Brazil. Like right. it's it's good to have these types of international stars because they also attract additional talent, right? Like if you're now a young Brazilian and you want to make it to the Seleção in Brazil, and you see a Brazilian superstar playing at Bifica, and Bifica yeah. comes in, prospects you, it might actually tilt it your, your interest, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think, you know, George Zouge also brings that, makes that an attractive uh, move for these guys. I don't know that, you know, <laughs> Nelson Verissimo is not going to attract oh, a, an Everton <laughs> to, to come to Bifica for sure. <laughs> yeah, I could see that guy picking up the phone. Yeah. <laughs> If you come to us, we'll see. It is what it is. We'll see how it goes. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. Boy, okay. little, you know, uh, we could get into that, the way he managed those lads. I mean, oh, he complete caretaker, like completely it's, kept everything exactly the same as it was that got the previous guy sacked. It scares the crap out of me that he is – my understanding is he's supposed to go to the B team. Yeah, I'm not uh, I'm not sure that, what happened to Renato Paiva, who was yeah. thought to be the brains of the whole academy system. But he's yeah, probably – Got offers to go somewhere else. Yeah, so I, I heard this guy's going to be off to the B team. I kind of yeah. go, is this really the guy you want? About? Like, what he was doing was not pretty at all. No, like, he didn't no give a him. good account for himself in these six no. matches. That cup final was just disastrous. In the approach, and the why did they? Why did they go? You know, to Praia del Rey and and train in a resort for a week to look like yeah. they were on holiday already in the match. Yeah. The, the mindset was already it was yeah. I, I, it's funny it's like the whole mindset going into these last couple of games with sporting uh, and then Porto and the Tas final was pretty much like oh we we shit the bed this season it is what it is like he said yeah. in the presser and just well, let's just go through the motions and we'll figure it out for next year it's like whoa yeah. whoa you still a cup and and, yeah. and the excruciating thing is how we lost that Tas also being yeah. up a man it, we were already playing terrible but it's just and I, when we signed Georges, I know that weekend it was Avs. It was way too soon for him to come on. I think he yeah. still hadn't flown yet to come to Portugal. He was still in Brazil that weekend. Yeah. But I thought, I was like, oh, maybe the guy will take over for sporting. And then he didn't. I'm like, oh, maybe he'll take over for the fourth one. Mm-hmm. It kind of did disappoint me that I think the club was going to try and shield him from, maybe. from the chaos. Maybe. And kind of saying, you know what? This is a train wreck. Yeah. So we know where the train is. We can't stop the train. It's going to crash no matter what. Even if you get a new conductor in, it's still going to crash. It, right. You know what? Let, we got to like, change the parts first. Just, just let, him, <laughs> let this train crash. We're going to build a new one and yeah. give the conductor the new train. He's the new yeah. guy we hired. And we can tell this guy's never crashed a train before, right? So versus I think with the crisis we're in, if we had had that result with George's at the helm, mm-hmm. that could have been the exact same result because the way these players are acting. Sure. Um, I mean, it feels he, it'd be hard for any manager to, to coach that team to any better. I mean, there was so little effort from the team and the performance was so poor that, I mean, coming in as a manager that week, there was little he was going to be able to change in that yeah. short of a time span. Unless it's, just more were, the, it's no. the pride side. That you yeah, miss, the pride right? side's completely missing. And that's that's the worst part. Meanwhile, on the other side, you got an opponent that's got nothing but the pride side. Yeah, and that's the part <laughs> I, I just, man, 
So Porto are our main rivals. Yeah. They hate their guts. I gotta respect their 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 fire and passion. Oh yeah. To win, especially and against us. Exactly. It's like it's it's a death match. It's like because they have that chip on their shoulders that it's everything's about Bifika. Like they won the championship. We signed George Juge. No one talks about their championship. Right. It's the footer. Like you won yeah. the national championship and you're the footer on the sports pages. It's what's yeah. Bifika doing about this crisis? Is a conversation, right? right? Um, and so yeah, they got that ego issue they have to live with. But at the same time, I do respect the fact that they want to win. Oh that, yeah. Like I would never. I don't think in a million years would see Porto doing what we did in the last three years with the Champions League and Europa League where we're going, oh, no, okay, they'd we got never a European let that match. Happen. Yeah, it would be heads would roll at that club. Like yeah. it's just there's too much pride. It's it's and that that's what's missing, I think, right now, Bifika. You big need time, a little bit more time. pride for that. Yeah, it's a cultural problem. Um I had written on mrbenfica.com about this and it's just the it's a rotten culture inside the club. You can see it because of the way the players conduct themselves and and I think the the club itself doesn't understand this because you got the JJ press conference or whatever you want to call it, the ceremony, and they roll out Andre Almeida and Peasy and all these guys you don't want to see. Yeah. And they put them right there front and center for the unveiling of the new manager two days after that cup final. And the last thing I wanted to see was Andre Almeida especially. But it's like, why are these guys being rolled out? Like, we want these guys gone. Yeah, and it's and even the the... It makes you cynic. I'm a cynic in a sense. Yeah. Where you see a uh, this press or this event ceremony yeah. after you lose the cup, you create right, a celebration, exactly. which already optically looks horrific. And then you got the you got George Juge, which is getting paid a fat check from Luigi Fieda, right? Which not all the details are out of how that contract's worded, but one of the the cornerstones of that celebration was George Juge praising Luigi Fieda. Well, yeah, that right away accomplishments, a little campaign uh, slogan there. Yeah, and it, it, I'm like. <laughs> Oh God, man! This is an election year, but I've never seen one like this before. And it's clear the guy feels he's gonna lose, so he's like, yeah. "Okay, how much is it for you to say a few nice words right. to me in the you know the presser, right?" So, um, and and just seeing that that part of me like really did irk me. It's like, okay, this is less about George Juge, less about Pichika. Yeah. This is more about protecting Lucio Vieira's job, right? If a, a, a consequence of trying to protect Lucio Vieira, we have a better footballing team, a, a better side, a better team. I'll take that consequence, right. but it's still. I hope people don't lose sight of what what's right. going on, right? Yeah, it's it. It is. It, you you should be able. We should all be able to see through the BS at this point, because it, it's very obvious. And you know, a lot of people are upset. I guess we'll get to this topic about the the kits and the the emblem, and yeah. how the the statutes have been violated. And right there behind <laughs> behind JJ is you know a black emblem, the Benfica emblem in black. And it seems like it's it's being thrown at us. And but the thing I come to realize, I think, is that the average, uh, the average fan, the 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 what do you call it, the the mainstream fan, if you will, not the hardcore like yeah. us, but the the mainstream fan doesn't realize or even care about these little things. And yeah, and see, I attract those eyes, I think, in trying to sell merchandise to those people. And see, I don't mind like trying to take some of the new hip ideas funky mm-hmm. ideas like i've always looked at the away kit as kind of like this is where if you want to go and screw that's around a blank canvas sure let's go for it and i know there's yeah. some people that are very traditional you have your home red and away your white. white don't touch it that and they even get offended about the black but yeah i'm like to me i'm, I'm a little half and half right i think that the yeah. home is pure tradition you gotta respect the uh, the, the right. black and the training kits and all these other things where you go and have some fun you can do a monochromatic. You could do whatever mm-hmm. if you want, you want to screw around with something. But 
on that note, like the fact this year they went full across the board, not only the, the away, yeah. but they went the home, they went the, the logo behind George Rajuj where they made it. It's like, okay, you're an officially a club event, a club presser, and you're doing a monochromatic logo. Um, in gold, no less, in a year where yeah. we blew a seven-point lead. As if, as if there is something. Yeah, exactly. You usually do gold to commemorate, <laughs> like to commemorate a, Right, yeah. to commemorate uh, something. Like a, the hundredth year. I remember the hundredth year kit. I remember the. Yeah, uh, yeah I have that on right now. Kits. The yeah. Year one. yeah. They have the. Um, they have some of the other kits they do are big events where they might like do. I don't know. They might try to do something special. I remember the one year they it was the first European Cup. I think it was the fiftieth anniversary, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. They had a gold. Yeah, a bit of a golden, but again, you're talking about a, the first time we won a European Cup. Right. Okay, fine, you can go ahead and make a, a special event. That's that's easily doable, right? Um, there is nothing as a special anniversary going on today outside no. of like the the worst record worst we've season. seen. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's just worst like, collapse guess, in Portuguese football, and we put oh my gold trim all over our kits. <laughs> I've heard stories, and this is where sometimes I, I don't know who this is, but you saw it at the tail end of. Um, uh, the season before the shutdown where we had the, the Chinese uh, uh, emissary come, come to the Bifiga mm-hmm. game that the Bifigas were trying sure. to crack the Chinese market. Yeah. Supposedly, there's been talks now for the past while of changing the logo at Bifiga. Right. I've heard Juventus. that also. Uh, one of the biggest sticking points that supposedly they've, they've looked into as a club, and this is where this does work because you're, you're doing this for marketing purposes and maybe like appealing to the wrong fan base, but mm-hmm. uh, the Umpro the Yeah. It's it's uh you know it's not it's not liked in China because it's also used in the U.S. and if anything right. is used in the U.S. right therefore it's evil and blah blah blah. Yeah. So maybe maybe get rid of that writing and maybe get rid you know, of Latin. colors around and get rid of that. Could you feel other things and and the the, go- the SLB in the in the blue stripe I know bothers them too because the word Benfica is nowhere in the emblem or something like that. Yeah, so it's one of these things where it's kind of like I I look at it and I go okay are you if you're appeasing this like I I have no issue with marketing to North America, to Asia, mm-hmm. to, to Latin America. You got to do it. But to the point where you start giving up some of your identity. Yeah. Like you I, stay I, true to yourself. Like I look at the Juventus situation. Yeah, I don't exactly to this date. I don't understand that logo change. Like, Oh, it's a it refreshed. I'm like, I'm like, it's ah. two J's. It's like, it's yeah, whatever. It. <laughs> when you think of Juventus winning European yeah. cups or competing for European yeah. cups, I don't think of that logo. No, not at all. I think all. of that as like a marketing gimmick. It looks yeah. like I, it's like a one-time thing you did, but the fact to continue with it, it's like, okay, whatever. That's your thing. It's you're losing some of your history, in my opinion, when you do that, right? And that'd be interesting to know what kind of value it's even brought to their brand in those markets that they're supposedly catering to. Does an Asian fan really look at that logo and say, oh, that's that's nice. I'm going to buy it. I don't know. Yeah, it's – and this is going to sound terrible. You're trying to appeal to the most fair weather fan of them all. Yeah, exactly. Trying to say, oh, here's a fan that's never seen her cloud. Here, this is, looks really nice. looks really hip. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks kind of cool. I'll make this a nice fad. We'll follow it. And then yeah. they stop following it. Right. You know what I mean? Like, there is a, a flavor of the month that goes on right. in that region. And there's some fans that stick. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you're, I don't know. I just don't agree with the, the approach, right? I yeah, think- I, don't, I don't agree with it either. Yeah, the biggest way to do it, man, you just win in Europe. Even That's if you don't it. win the cup, you go far in Europe, you compete, you try. You, you, Ajax hasn't changed the logo in ages. Ajax right. has a tremendous amount of global respect because they're a feisty club. Exactly. That goes, right? Right. And, you know, the clubs that are big in those markets, it's, it's the club, like you said, that win the Champions League. It's Real Madrid. It's Barcelona. They're big anywhere in the world. They're one and two. Manchester United's up there with them. But there's other brands that, you know, Manchester City can win anything they want. They're kind of like our rivals, Porto. They can win anything they want. They're never going to be Man United on a global scale. 
Yeah, it'll take it'll take uh, it'll take mm-hmm. uh, at least another decade or two for right. them like spending like that to try to mm-hmm. at least corner that. And they they slowly are chipping away to start chipping away again. a bit, but but you need the European result. You don't have the right. European result in there. Um, and the advantage that City has, and I, I think with Tottenham and all these other clubs, is the the EPL exposure that they have in in mm-hmm. Asia. Right. Um, their early kickoffs actually make it one of the few leagues that you can kind of watch. Like if you have an 8 a.m. kickoff in England, yeah, it's actually in the evening in, in China, England, yeah. or or sorry, 8 a.m. for us here in North America. Right. So I it's mean. the so one one p.m. in England. One p.m. for them, and then it's uh, and actually works out on their side where it's a late yeah. night show. Yeah, they hit both ends of the earth with that with that yeah, kickoff so, time. So they got the TV right. So to sense, okay, fine. You want to? I get why the EPL does these exhibition events out there I, yeah. I, and there's an actual logical sense to it in, in portugal mm-hmm. they don't have any, any logic of <laughs> no logic no structure on time zones no even the reopening in this league oh this was so cool oh, this- so, so like here they go oh, they the go reopen and they're yeah. like uh hey let's reopen the league and let's kick it off and um we might have to do a condensed schedule so it's probably gonna be weekday games and you know right. what? i understand it's you COVID. understand it first. I, I get the situation. It makes sense. It, it all makes sense. <laughs> and then when they finally release the schedule, I'm looking at it. I'm like, eh, it made sense. Weekday games. So I'm like, wait a second. We're playing once a week. We're playing once a week. <laughs> Why aren't we playing the weekends then? It's yeah. like, well, you know, it's because of COVID. What's COVID got to do with this? This, this? this makes no logic whatsoever. It's right. like, oh, you know, the, the, it's, we have to do the accelerated schedule. This is not accelerated. It's once a week. Like it's I, once a I, week. They've just shifted which uh, day of the week they play. I got into an argument with someone in Portugal. This one yeah. guy that's like one of these people that like the club can do no wrong, right? So right. Not gonna mention those it. are dangerous fans, to be honest, uh, because they'll support anything. They'll support all, but if you can agree to it, it has to be good. Yeah. I'm like, no, it's condensed. I'm like, no, it's not. Well, actually, if you count the days, it's condensed. I'm like, by like three days. Like I remember <laughs> I looked into it. I was like, what are you talking about? It's like. Oh yeah, technically we figure plays on one Thursday, then technically it's a Wednesday. If you actually fast forward, it's like they actually had saved like three or four days. Oh yeah, it's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. I'm yeah, like, it's like you'd play around throughout the entire week. It's one match per night to, yeah. to make an entire, an oh, entire God, round. It was insane. It was just ridiculous. So I don't know. I, and this is a chance where you had very little sports coverage. Yeah. And you go and you stick it late night games or midday uh, I, games. I, I uh, never understood these 9.45 kickoffs in Portugal, 9.15 p.m. kickoffs on weeknights. It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Uh, who wants to – I mean, I suppose if you're over – I mean, I don't live there, so it's harder to, to, to uh, maybe understand their reality. I don't know what time the average Portuguese person gets up and what time they start work. But, uh, you know, why not a 7 p.m. kickoff? It makes no sense uh, why they, they start they, they, so they late. lose it. I don't, my, my experience with it is they're very, uh, they stay up late. Usually. Yeah. Uh, it's like a very late culture. They go dinner late. Uh, mm-hmm. They eat late. Like it's uh, right. seven, eight o'clock dinners is very mm-hmm. common, uh, which is, I've always found it funny. Cause it's like, okay, it's yeah. They, they I, are, I understand in the day when RTP was broadcasting all the matches, it would be after telejournal. So it would always be a nine yeah. o'clock start because telejournal was at eight. But now they're on Sport TV. They can go anytime they want. Yeah. <laughs> and they're kicking no, off like late. And, and fans Creatures complain. of habit. Right. And we, you know, you hear like the Benfica, the Benfica FMs of the world, the guys who are actually able to travel the games. Yeah. Going to an away game in Family Cone on a, on a Wednesday at 9.45 no, p.m. to get home at, you know, 4 in the morning to go to work. It's tough. It's 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 ludicrous. Like you think if they had, yeah, if they at least did like a, a seven o'clock. Yeah, gives time for people to finish work. They hop in their cars. Right. They, they drive up. Let's say North America does that all the time. Seven o'clock is like the most common. That, right. That's our common time slot. Time slot. Yeah. 
All right, I'm going to move on to financials because that's the the meat of the of of the talk yeah. today. That's what we want to talk about. So, my first question to you is: In your opinion, is Benfica in good financial health right now? Um, as much as the club wants us to believe, uh, I think. Well, yes and no. I think yes in the sense that our debts have come down quite a bit lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's something I've I've wanted to see personally. I say no. I think we're we've lost sight of how the what the goal of the club is, how it's structured and the money we're spending. Mm-hmm. Like I, so there was an article, I could try to find the link, but there, it was, you know, ranting or raving that from 2016 to like 2020 or 2019, whatever it was, uh, you know, if you could knock down the debt by like 189 million, right? right? Like, Oh, we knocked down the debt by 189 million. That's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yada, 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 how great we've done. I'm like, well, okay, that's good. That's good. We also sold, uh, it's like get some of the numbers over 600 million. Talent, right? I'm like, okay, we sold over 600 million, we spent 150, so we got okay, that's 450 million. 450 is okay, so let's just round up that debt. Let's say we paid 200 million, so you got okay, 250 million kicking around. That doesn't count uh, Fly Emirates, it doesn't count BTV TV rights, doesn't count Mm -hmm. jersey sales, doesn't count ticket sales, merch, um. Doesn't count all the other stuff that we rake in, you know, mm-hmm. the red pass, a lot of stuff. Because then people go, oh, but it's expensive. Dude. You got to pay players. Like, no, no, salaries don't eat up that kind of. So you're still, right. you're 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 not accounting for over 250 million. And when they did this ranting and raving that they're using for Luis campaign from a few months ago, saying, look, the debt got knocked down, mm-hmm. we're almost debt free. They did this big announcement. Then they show the financials, and then like a month later, they go and borrow another fifty million dollars. I'm like, why are you borrowing fifty million dollars? Right. <laughs> it's like if we're truly in a healthy financial state, and I really think a big chunk of that cash is gone. I think it's gone into pet projects um, that we may or may not see a return on. Right. It's you know that I had. I've had a lot of people say that it's just, we just are bloated. We were as an organization, we had, you know, a certain number of employees and we've like quadrupled our staffing. Mm-hmm. We have so many different divisions and, and things of sort. I even look at the Muli Dodge, like they're neat projects, but the amount of money that they're getting into Muli Dodge has been me personally. I, I think it's a huge mistake in my opinion. It's kind mm-hmm. of, we're going down the path of sporting where you're celebrating these other cups as if mm-hmm. they're, I don't want to diminish them, but, Let's call a spade a spade. You win volleyball champion of Portugal. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. I'm not, I'm not, no, you don't see the people rush out to the Pombal. Right. 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 Um, and then when you hear about Vifica picking up good signings from the Muli Dodge, yet the Muli Dodge are practically free games. Like you yeah, pay almost give, nothing for say, I think a euro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A euro. They do all these promos to get people out. They don't yeah. really catch much they don't get aired anywhere but btv right? right there's not much of an attention for that stuff i really look at it as okay whatever sponsors they drag in whatever money they make for ticket sales and food sales and maybe if you want to be generous and look at like a charity and donate a few bucks to it as a club to help out i don't mind mm-hmm. but when you kind of heard for a while like a couple of years ago when people were signing guys from barcelona for the futsal team yeah. and other things of sort and you're kind of like uh, okay guys what's the game plan here? Cause this isn't going to pay the bills. You're not going to get return on your money. This was just to appease a very small fan base within Bifika that mm-hmm. is very vocal that, right. You know, yeah. The Bifica, Mobley Dodge fans are very vocal and passionate. The small, they're a small hardcore fan base that definitely is very uh, yeah. vocal. Like you said, and they vote. And they that's vote. the thing. That's, that's, that's the all difference. it's about. Like they vote. you had a very small number of people that show up each election to vote. So you, yeah. you corner that fan base. Right. It's you, you get reelected, but 
I, I think they lost sight. And so I get scared, you know, from, so for financial health, I think, yeah, we're in a good state where the debts come down. I think it, it we should be a lot stronger though than mm-hmm. we are right now. And since you mentioned the modally dodge, I was going to ask you to help clear, clear something up because my understanding has always been that the football club comes from the sad and the, yep. the modally dodge come from the club yep. and that they are two different budgets, but does the football bud? You're saying the football budget still spills into the Modley Dodge to help fund it? Yeah, in a sense. Well, it's all cross pollinating money. So, also sure. the, the side will make money, and then the shareholders, and Bifika's technically right. the club is a shareholder. Right. And there's other it's people a limited involved. company or whatever. So, so, we get part of that profit, and the debt on the SAD hasn't come down that much. Mm-hmm. And so, when they say, oh, Bifika's debt is down, it's like, no, no, the, the, club, the club, which has the Modley Dodge, the membership, yeah. And so this is where I always find it funny. Like, oh, we made all these player sales to pay down the debt. I'm like, so in other words, you took money out of the footballing budget to clear up your debts on the non-footballing side. Mm-hmm. That's like, yeah, but technically the club owns the stadium, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, hey, cool. I get it, which is good. Yeah. But when you're going out and you're, you're running new projects, running new events, you're mm-hmm. creating new divisions within this structure. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, so how are you going to finance this? It's uh, all the socios pay. I'm like, yeah, I'm a socio. Mm-hmm. I expect my money to go to the football team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not yeah. to go. Th- there's a, when I pay for a socio, you got two options. You pay for the socio. You could pay a little extra to donate to the Moly Dodge uh-huh. if, you want, if you want to be involved. It's an add on, yeah. Yeah. But it seems like almost a majority of the cash is going to that side that's okay. within the club to the point where I just feel like, okay, when you're generating a sponsor for the Stadio Luge or you're, you're making mm-hmm. revenue by putting Coca-Cola on there, right? I feel those dollars should be rolling back to the football pitch, not into these other projects, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I think we do ourselves a disservice by, you know, creating these additional expenses. Because mm-hmm. if, you, if you strip the club clean to a certain extent and get a bit more lean, we could compete at a way higher level. Sure, yeah. And my understanding is Modley Dodds were intended to be amateur sports. So the, the, they shouldn't have that kind of expenditure. Um, of course, now we have a women's football team who I cover most of their big matches. Um, yeah. But they're, you know, they're taking some of that budget as well. We've seen a lot of the women leave. A lot of the high contracts leave. Um, is this a project you think Benfica can sustain? A competitive women's team in Europe, so to speak? I- I, I only to the extent where the fans support it. I really, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of the idea of it. I mm-hmm. think we, we needed it. I, I really think we needed it as a club. That's yeah. where I think I have a, a as I complained about Molly Dodge to me, it's like, okay, the futsal team that's been around for God knows how long, the basketball mm-hmm. team, these are long institutions. Like, okay, you got to just run it better. Not make yeah. it. Right. The women's team was like a brand new creation. So right. that I expect a full, like, you're not making any money on this. this you got to invest and you got to go and invest again and mm-hmm. you got to foster it. I think it's a good idea to develop it. I think that the women's Champions League and all that will keep getting more attention. I think it's good for the sport. At the same time, when you see, again, tickets are for free. Yeah. And people don't show up. I, I swear the Portuguese fan base, much as I love our country, I love our club. Mm-hmm. They're so, so, I don't know. I don't want to say anything offside, but the, mm-hmm. the mindset is so wrong. Like, even like Bell and Ij, and I'm just completely, I try to, when they went through yeah. their sad situation. Right. They were giving away pretty much free tickets and people weren't showing up. And I thought, hey, if I lived in Lisbon, I got a wife, I got two kids. Mm-hmm. 
I want a nice night out to take my kids to a soccer match. I'm a Bifikisha, but if Bolognese was facing Stubel and the tickets are free. Oh, absolutely. Let's, let's go to the let's, let's Let's go to the park. Let's go have a picnic. Let's go hang out. Let's go. Yeah. Everyone's always crying, saying they got no money in Portugal. Everyone's poor. Everyone's poor. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're free tickets at, at the women's. Ah, uh, no, I'm too poor. It's like, no, yeah. no, they're free tickets. Ah, <laughs> uh, no, no. I got to pay actually, for gas. Yeah, it's like, oh, exactly. exactly. It's like, so it's lame ass excuses, but then they'll go out and spend money on other stupidities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it's a sad state. I hope the women succeed, but I think if the fans don't show up for them, then at some point, I guess it, 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 it has to get cut like more of an amateur team then. Yeah, and I think the future, women's football, I think has a big future. And a lot of the, the financial sports people point to that. And you're seeing, you know, Real Madrid purchasing, basically purchasing a women's club and making it theirs rather than building yeah. one the way we did. Juventus investing money in their, in their women's team and getting a crowd of 30,000 fans a year ago. You know, and yeah. you're seeing the big clubs in Europe start to invest in the women's game. It's happening in England. And I think Benfica needs to not be left behind in that. But like you said, the fans have to support it. I think so, especially given how easy it is. Like, that's the part that shocked me. Mm-hmm. Was what I saw, I remember the one game last year at Sporting, mm-hmm. and they pretty much made the tickets free, and they got a pretty good turnout. It was almost yeah. half capacity, but I'm like, yeah, they were trying they're, to break the attendance. I think they did. They might have broken the attendance record for women. For Portugal, I think, yeah, I yeah. think they broke it. And and I I looked at it and I just kind of went this this is good, but still I'm like, I, the size of the population yeah. it, it should it's I'm sorry it's free man it's your arch well, rivals you should fill that up easy and like you said it's the same people complaining that it's too expensive to go to a match they're giving you a free match at the Stadio de Luge yeah it's the same people the year before who you know were upset Benfica didn't go to the Jamor in the cup because we lost the Sporting but the women were playing at the Jamor and. I mean, we broke the record for that, too. It was all Benfica yeah. fans. But there was thousands of empty stadiums. I think the ticket was one or two euros to get in. Yeah. If you can't get to the men's match, why can't you take your family to the women's match and make a day of it and support your club the same? I don't understand that. Yeah, no, it's, I, I joke with me and my wife. We have uh, – Canada started its own soccer league uh, right. last year. It's a, it's a brand-new league. It's mm-hmm. pure, like – a lot of young guys. Mm-hmm. It's uh, the talent level is low, man. And you're talking yeah. like third division, fourth division level yeah. if you're to look at Portugal. Right. And yeah, you got thousands of fans going, paying decent. Like you know, you're paying 500 bucks a year for season tickets yeah. per person. Like it's, it's the people are spending. Right. <laughs> and that's just the North American mentality, I guess. Right. But it's just the, I look at Portugal and it's like, okay, free man. I I wish I could go and watch these games with my kids. It'd be amazing. Yeah. It'd be great for my daughter. It'd be great for my kid. My son. Right. It's just, it's I get disappointed in our own fan base sometimes where you have all these things the club is doing. And this is why I kind of get frustrated with these Molly Dads also. It's, kind of, it's like, okay, if they're not going to truly support it, like we went ahead and we put the money into it. Mm-hmm. You guys are loud. You complain. We don't have structures. We've gone and created the structures. We've gone and invest the money. You still don't show up. Then I, I say we pull the plug to not the women, but for a lot of these sports, let them be amateur, let them mm-hmm. be Whatever sponsors they get on the shirt, whatever money they get, they pay for whatever local guys. Let them support themselves. Yeah. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. The guy who knows how to play volleyball and he wants to play for Mifika, sure. If if we lose to sporting, I really don't care. Like, and if people, Mm -hmm. as people were crying, sporting was investing big dollars on volleyball players, that's a good waste of cash for them. That's not not our problem, right? Right, right. So I'll move from that to the FPF um, and the way they're governing our league and just football in general. Um, Pedro. Proenza, the uh, the president of the league, actually, I'll, I'll stick with the Liga, and uh, 
you know, praising the Saj in our league one day after basically Avsh goes under. (laughs) One day after a second division team loans them a bus to get them to their final match. It's just, there's such a disconnect between reality and what these people in charge see. And what do you think of the way that, well, first of all, where did these Saj come from? Do you understand the history of where this comes from? And is this an FPF creation to take liability away from from memberships? No, it's partly political in a sense Mm -hmm. that my understanding, I can't remember the year Gad was um, to do with technically these, Technically, a club has no owner. It's right. you can't have owners, but you supposed to be a volunteer thing. And there's all these people, and it's very hard to kind of some of them get like um, preferential tax treatment. I guess you mm-hmm. could say, right? Uh, depending on the, the community level they're at, sure, as a nonprofit do. or whatever. Yeah, and that's yeah. technically what, what a lot of these things are. So it became a, a sticking point where it's like, hey, everything's convoluted. In Portugal, they always make things convoluted. And so from a political standpoint, they said, okay, you got to just structure if it's a footballing organization, because they know that's where the money's at. You got to separate it. You got to create a separate ledger, mm-hmm. separate balance sheet, throw your money in there, throw your salaries. You got to, because technically for a charity, you don't have to disclose people's finances, but right. I think on the SAD, you have to disclose finances mm-hmm. at a higher level. Uh, Cause I think it's under the uh, securities commission mm-hmm. uh, legislation. And so that therefore created more transparency and therefore the government could say you owe us taxes. Right. And it was pretty much like a tax grab. Um, but then what, what these guys quickly realized also is like, Oh, it's a separate entity, separate corporation. We can technically now borrow also against not only our, our club, we can also get borrowings from uh, the SAD right. Right? and get extra cash. And if you're not financially savvy, you, you just look at it. It's kind of like someone with a credit card that doesn't know how to use their credit card well, and someone just gives them a second just keeps credit card. swiping it, yeah, and gets Yeah, and they one. go, it's like, I know you're kind of maxing your current credit card. Here's a new credit card. Sure, I, they max it up, and then <laughs> yeah. they kind of, and then their name has to be Bell and Ish, and then they, they're crying foul that they've lost their side. It's like, well, yeah. you couldn't pay your original credit card very well, and you want right. to max out the other mm-hmm. one. And now you're crying that you've lost what you bought. You know what <laughs> right. I mean? Like, it's just, it's very idiotic on their part, but. It's it's a, a neat construct, but I don't understand how well it works financial fair play because I think they look mainly at SAD for mm-hmm. financial fair play okay. is my understanding. I don't know how much they look at the parent club, mm-hmm. uh, but I do think it caused a little bit of confusion with it. And I know we saw Vitorio Stubal get relegated, not one, but two levels for for. Well, you and I, you know, we were exchanging tweets that day yeah, called yeah. paperwork like <laughs> violation. Yeah, no kidding. I so you, you get you get these situations where I swear a few years back, even when I didn't pay any of their players, and it was yeah. a non-issue, and yet this is more of I don't I don't know. I, I reeks of typical shenanigans in Portugal because it's like, well, you want Portugal to stay up? That's well, it, that's plan. what it looks like to I think at least to a Benfiquista who who has seen you know some of the shenanigans that have come from Portimonense in the last two seasons, the way players have moved from that club to another club that we don't have to mention, and um, it it does look like you 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 went one step too far in getting them relegated, and you know the the league well, said, especially, wait a especially how historical they are. I, I get yeah. Avsh because Avsh. Yeah, they were they were in disarray. It, it, it was like a Union Liada situation yeah. where at the end of the season that year they they didn't have enough players. <laughs> eight players. Like they went to matches with eight players just enough. It was, it was a disaster. So they they had it coming. You can't do that. Right. I I 
part of me has empathy for Avs because yeah. I was in Portugal several years back when Avs got the year they're in the second division, but they got promoted. Yeah. And I'd gone to that. I like to travel around. I, yeah. I, I, you know, you go to your Togo, you go see your sure. you go do whatever, but I'd love to go to small towns. Mm-hmm. And I have this, this big collection of scarves all around this room of all the various clubs I right. visited. And, and so they were on my bucket list. It just happened that that year is when they got promoted. And it was the end of the year. Mm-hmm. So I was there that weekend when it happened. You saw their little clubhouse full of people, their cafes, and everyone was so excited about the fact they're in the first division. You kind of saw that hype and excitement. And it's nice to kind of feel it. Um, and then to kind of see how poorly run they went. So they went and won the Tasa Portugal. Again, yeah. due to improper filing of paperwork, they weren't allowed yeah. into Europa. Right. Which I go, okay, as a league. That's embarrassing. I, it's embarrassing. And they kind of, they use it. Well, that's an problem. I'm like, you're right. It is problem. But you would think that as a league, you'd be on top. Say, listen, you yeah. guys are on the verge of going to the Europa League. You got to submit your paperwork. Let's help you out. Let's get, you, let's get this stuff right. filed properly so you don't. And it's almost like the league was happy Avs didn't do it because they're like, oh, it means Game Nice gets to go or Rio Avs. Yeah, they'll, or else. they'll do better than than Avs yeah. would do. But that's not what you know the Europa League's about. It's about when you win a cup, you know, you get those stories. These teams with no history making a first run into Europe, and it's exciting, even if yeah, they get smashed in all six games. And it's one of these scenarios where it felt like the league was picking a winner and loser in that scenario. They're picking mm-hmm. a winner and loser in the Stubel scenario. Yeah. I even look at this restart. Well, you know, part of me, again, I feel, I think Avs made their own mistakes, but at the same time, all these mid table, especially the lower table Mm -hmm. club and make almost all their profit off the home games against Porto, Bifica, Sporting. Yeah. In the second round, the calendar, it was Bifica. And I think it was also Porto or Mm -hmm. it was two of the big three. Yeah. They had two of them at home. And that was, that's for some of these clubs, like, um, we got that club from Algarve coming up. Typically, yeah, when they do finance, when they do their budget, and I, I don't know how they're doing it this year, but typically they go that home game will pay for our season. Right. That's how we're going to do it. That's it. Yeah, they jack the, you, the t- tickets to 40, 50 euros, and if you just pay it because you want to see your team. And exactly. The team is, you know, they're funded. Yeah, the people that, that say they can't go to, uh, they can't afford the one euro Molidad game, pay the 50 yeah. euros to, go to, <laughs> to drive to Algarve. So, this one of these cases, it has nothing to do with money. I just, yeah. It's literally they, they're voting yeah. with their feet and what they want yeah. to support. Exactly. Uh, but in the case of these clubs, man, they live for it, they die for it, and the league decided to restart knowing full well that TV rights are fully slanted to the big three. So, it was a pure loss leader for any of yeah. these clubs to resume, and it killed them. I guess in a way it's surprising it didn't happen to more clubs. Yeah, I'm surprised. I think that's maybe why he's like boasting around that. Oh, look how strong the sads are. Because maybe one, that, one that would make bankrupt. sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, I'm like, I don't know if that's really a success story in itself. Uh, and then you have Bulanish Sad, which we talked about in that, that situation where you have Bulanish in the amateur division and Bulanish Sad in the professional division, but they're just a team, they're not a club. They're yeah. only four players or whatever, and a B team with a with a logo that's literally the letter B, which means yeah, that, Le- 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 can't adopt that logo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had to, uh, and it's funny how that came through a court case. Yeah, and it was like they thought they could still use Melanesia. Well and yeah, it was. I remember that that weekend. It was all of a sudden within a few days they had to slap on. We got to do something. Oh, yeah, be on literally, it, it looked like they went into Microsoft Paint '95 and yeah. came up with something. Do that, and they ran to the print shop, stuck yeah. it on the jerseys, they it on. And, they, and, they, and they glued it on real yeah. quickly just to cover the old logo. And 
What future do you think Bolinish Saad has? Like, is there one day going to be a remarriage between the two entities? Are we one day going to have two Bolinish playing in the same level? I think that they're a prime, uh, they're a prime candidate to be eaten up by like a Red Bull or something like that, and they could become so, a Red Bull Portugal. But they have no stadium, so that's that's probably a detractor. But I'm really interested in what's going to happen to that that entity of Bolinish Saad, the Code City entity in the next uh five six years yeah I was, I was fascinated with when it first happened i was like okay let's see what happens are they gonna because it was a group of investors that mm-hmm. will borrowed money from yeah again same scenario they don't understand how debt works and you got to mm-hmm. repay it they didn't repay it and right. they collected on their collateral which right. was sad right right um and everyone cried foul but i'm like that's bay fate so that's 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 mm-hmm. a lesson for clubs to learn yeah and I was, I was wondering, are these guys just going to somehow splice this out to get their money out? And instead, they haven't. They've, they've stuck it out. Yeah, they've stuck it out. So this year three now, I think it is, right? Yeah, or I think they're two? on or two and a half, maybe. Did it happen yeah, halfway so, yeah. through a season, maybe? And they haven't been bad. Mm-hmm. They've been decent. They're, they yeah. haven't actually been flirting with the relegation. No, they're, they've they're, stayed up. They've stayed in the middle of the table. They're trying to see if they can push higher. I, I think there's two scenarios, really. A, the actual original club, Bellinage, goes to them and says, listen, we got to come to some kind of agreement. You are who you are, but we're the founding club. Mm-hmm. You leverage our history. You leverage our ground. You pay us right. rent. And we get to make uh, share some profits and, and kind of revives the original Bolognese to a certain extent and, and gives these guys something to work with. Mm. Um, or, yeah, like you said, eventually there's a new ground that gets selected, like a, pr- a proper one. Mm-hmm. And they build from there. And we truly have like a, a just a new team that's in the, in, the, in the first division that kind of grows and goes yeah. from there. I think, in a sense, they're running the leanest team right now because they don't really have much on the youth side. They don't got much. No, of, they have no a, I think a U23, no and that's it. Yeah. Which is mostly got, loaned players from the second division. And, and outside of that, it's pretty much uh, mm-hmm. very little overhead outside of right. they pay for rent. The rest right? is so, being run by by the members club. Yeah. So. And so it's it's kind of a question of who's going to miss who first. Right. Because and we saw, I think uh, two weeks ago, a merger with Estrela Damadora coming back into yeah. into national football from the Lisbon leagues, merging with a, a Sintra football, who most of us never heard of, aside from yeah. them beating Vitória Guimarães this year in the cup. But at that point, <laughs> I'd never heard of them before, and they're a little, they were literally just a sad with just like Bolognese sad with no real club, and they found themselves a club, and now a historic club is back in in at least the third division of Portuguese football. Yeah, and that, that's a cool one also because they, mm-hmm. they have that history. They have, um, I used to like their star, the star logo they had. It's kind of yeah. like, almost like, the, like, like an old Italian. Yeah, like it, the, it looks the, like the Scudetto. With the star on it. Yeah, yeah, with the star on it. It was a funky logo. It's, a, it's, a cool, it's cool to have them back. But I, I think there's a huge opportunity. Like if I look at like, and you're seeing, I don't know why this year more than normal, I've, you've heard of all these strategic partnerships, whether it was, um, mm-hmm. uh, what's the team down south? Oh my gosh, I keep blanking out again. Uh, they weren't getting promoted. Um, that is getting promoted. Fares? Yeah, Fares did a partnership with Lyon. Okay. Uh, some marketing partnership, things of sort. The mm-hmm. Guimarães is doing a partnership with uh, Aston Villa, I believe. Aston right? Villa, yeah. Um, and you kind of hear Red Bulls when sniffing around Portugal because Red Bull Have has it. presence everywhere, right? You got to imagine that they'd want something in Portugal with all the the talent, player talent that goes on, you know, on um, un, not unused, but not made the most of. Yeah. You no, know, there's a lot of guys that l- never get out of the small teams and then they show up in Greece and before you know it they're at Olympiakos or at 
or at Panathinaikos or AEK, and then they go to Turkey and they rise to one of the top teams. So you, if, that'd be always, a place for them to feed their their you know Leipzig team, for example. I've always viewed, and they they got their Austria team, right? They got yeah, Liverpool, Salzburg Austria, serves they got, as like the B team, and yeah. Leipzig the A team, New York and Brazil are like the B yeah. teams. But the way I, I even look at it is, if I was let's say someone wealthier or an organization with some money spent mm-hmm. and people go, Oh, you know, why would anyone ever want to go to Portugal? They go to England. I'm like, well, to go to England, you got to spend a billion dollars. Exactly. And even then you're still, we just joked about city still being no, a nobody, right? Right. You can go to Portugal. If you spend any kind of money, a quarter of a billion, mm-hmm. you'd be insane. But if you did that, you're in the top three. Yeah. You're now getting a Champions League berth. Well, look at Fumley Cone. They spent a little and, they're, they're the fifth there. team now. They're almost there. Yeah, they're From almost the second got division to to the to almost the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, so if you actually had some proper spending, um, at any level even greater, like what uh, Real Leipzig could do, or, or the guys that mm-hmm. uh, own Red Bull, right? Yeah. Um, you could have an actual respectable side that's going to compete for titles and silverware. Yeah, and you could have someone to disturb the big three, and you'd get a more yeah. a more uh, you know a more level playing field in the league. Yeah, and I, I think it's the potential for the European focus. I look at European football, the return mm-hmm. of your investment is right. you get group stage, you get $60 million. Right. So again, I look at it more from an investment. It's like, okay, you, mm-hmm. you dump $100 million, which is nothing. That's not what Milan Kellen did. Heck, that's not even what sporting is. Not even right close, now. right. Uh, and we got three Champions League spots next year. Mm-hmm. $100 million, if you get top three and you manage to find yourself the group stage, that's $60 million year one. Do the second year, that's $20 million. All of a sudden, you could make a, a very viable business proposition to say, okay, we're not going to spend like we're Man, Man City. Mm-hmm. We can spend enough. They can actually make a return on investment and actually get there and make right. it self-sufficient, right? Right. Especially when you don't have the baggage that Sporting does or Bifica or Porto does where they're trying to balance debts and these other projects mm-hmm. that they have. Um, I even You're not going to have the fans knocking down your door at every single every single decision you make either, most likely. Yeah. They'll just be happy to have a, a club that's – that's winning. Pushing through. That's and I've always thought, through. I thought a couple of areas, like I thought Algarve was always a good opportunity just because mm-hmm. it's so detached from the rest of Portugal. Right. And uh, it has like, there's just no presence that, that competitive presence. I think Porto mm-hmm. Manish was trying that, right? But they, they haven't succeeded. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other one I looked at is the Vedu just because they have like a decent population nearby. There, yeah. Beautiful stadium. Yeah. That's unused. Beta Mart has moved out of that stadium. Yeah, they're still languishing. I think they've gone on and off. Yeah, they're in the third division now. Yeah. They've started their way back up. But so you could do something there. You got and Lisbon's always like I think the the stad with Bolognese is the fact that Lisbon's still a, a bigger city. Mm-hmm. And you're a capital you know, even the capital. People yeah. joked about Man City being a no name team. It's like, well, they're not so no name anymore, right? Right. So, right. Um you can do it. There's and even Wolves. Wolves have come to be known as a you know a somewhat big club now too with a little bit yeah. of investment very easily psg psg was PSG, yeah 1970 something a no-name team in paris and then a few years back got bought up and now they're one of the top teams so sometimes it's that advantage of being at the capital right so yeah if they did do that you know they, they could probably do even like a partnership with the that would be the federation well it'd be the federation on the the Celestin side not yeah the, where they have the jamor right any, Massive reinvestment. He gets one. Oh, yeah. If some somebody's coin. willing to do that, sure. Yeah. Call it their home. And I was going to get to Jamwood. And do you think that um, shouldn't the FPF be taking better care of that? I feel like 
that that's your that's our Wembley if you look at it yeah. right that's our Wembley it's not as big it's not as grandeur but it's our it's our national stadium and I feel like the FPF is never going to have more money than it has now you know it, it's got one of the you know one of the greatest players ever you've got one of the most recognizable images in the world wearing your badge uh, I've always thought it'd be in their best interest to to fix that thing up to make that you know a 21st uh, century national stadium and put the national team games in there and stop having the bickering between clubs and, you know, paying out rents, rental fees to clubs to host national team matches. What do you think? Yeah. It's, yeah, no, I agree. I, I think the biggest opportunity they blew was the 2004 Euro where they had all this government money rushing mm. around. Yeah. And they could have at that point renovated the heck out of it and made it a Wembley, made it the yeah. national stadium. Um, they should, I just I feel the politics of the big three as is quite toxic, and it's yeah. a dogfight between Bifica, Porto, and Sporting for attention of the Silasol. The Silasol would be nice to have. I know that the matches rotate, but it'd be nice to have like a, a Wembley Stadium that yeah. they get to play at. Um, it's good for the Cup final. Um, yeah, it wasn't the same in Coimbra, that's for sure. That was someone said it was it was just another League Cup final, essentially. Yeah, that's what it felt like. Yeah, and, and there's like a, a history to it, and it's, it's sad mm-hmm. that I agree with you, man. It's, you're not going to have a better time in history where you have marketing. You could technically grab Ronaldo, grab a sponsor, you, and say we're going to name this probably. Yeah, right. You could call it the Cristiano Ronaldo National Stadium if you yeah. wanted to, if you want to get him to. Put some money. Nike, Nike's his main sponsor. You go right. up to Nike and say, "Listen, we're gonna get that. We need money for this national stadium. We're gonna slap Nike on this stadium right. for you." There you go. Gonna have your your star boy Ronaldo do a bunch of laps yeah. in it for you. We'll put a statue of him in the stadium, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be like you know, on behalf of Nike, blah blah blah. And here's some money, and away we go, and and plus all the money they have. But it's yeah, I think it's there's this dogfight that happens with um, Bifica Porto and Sporting on being to get getting to sell someone their stadium. Yeah. And then they kind of get into these arguments saying, well, are you going to compete with the Stade Luge? That's what you're yeah. trying to do. And it's like, can you really do that? And to a certain extent, they're kind of right. But mm-hmm. it's sad that it's a really nice ground. I, I, I think it's yeah. really cool. It's a very neat. They need to, at the very least, just do some upkeep, clean it up a bit. Yeah. Um, and keep it maybe as a cup final and keep doing it. But they got to at least invest a little bit just to keep it yeah. fresh. I agree. And it's, it's ironically, it wasn't fit to hold the cup final, but it's going to be Barcelona's training ground for the next week for the champions league. That's a, that was a joke. When they said, Oh, it can't <laughs> be the cup final. It's like, why not? Oh, cause of COVID. I'm like, well, why is it okay for Bolognese and everything that went to see Bolognese yeah. play there? Yeah. Ah, no, don't pay. Don't give us logic. It's like, they, right. they, 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 there's no logic why they went to Coimbra. Right. Um, I think it was just, because Coimbra was supposed to hold the super cup. That was, you know, postponed and yeah, somebody else away making it up for that. They made it up, but it. I mean, I don't know. The cup final for me needs to be in the national stadium. It, the it argument was the argument was oh, but people will start gathering. I'm like, well, god damn it! It's like people are gonna gather in Queenborough anyways. You know what I mean, like people will gather no matter what. You put your security in place yeah. and do right. your bit, but. Yeah, I don't what know. do you think of TVE and Seek doing away with the those supporter debate shows that usually in you know they they use celebrities to debate on behalf of their team and mostly celebrities have very limited knowledge of the game to be honest I I find and yeah. 
you know, some of these guys have made a living out of this. Like that Porto supporter, Miguel Gedge is, I, I joked, has to go back to being a mediocre musician now that they canceled <laughs> this segment on TV. But um, they were, I thought they were toxic shows. And we've talked about yeah. the toxicity between the big three. And I think the media only fed that toxicity with bringing these guys every week to just bicker, essentially. Yeah, I think the toughest thing in Portugal, um, and I give credit to anyone who tries to do this, it's very hard. First of all, yeah, I agree. Very toxic shows. I'm glad they got rid of that structure. They should cover them as unbiasedly as they can, the mm-hmm. league itself. Right. And that's kind of what they're trying to say. Okay, we're going to cover it. We're done with this celebrity feud. Uh, when we talk the sport, we'll just talk the sport. But right away, I know what's going to happen is you're going to get one or two or three panelists to talk mm-hmm. about the Liga. And very quickly, people are going to go, okay, which one of these guys is a Bifigisha sporting Eastern Portuguese? They're going to assign every, those roles, right? And, and as soon as – if you don't assign it, the, the, the people that are – you know, Don't make it every, obvious, they, right? They'll do, they'll do it. And if they go, okay, no, we're only going to have one journalist, just one guy talk about it. They go, okay, who are you going to appoint? It's like, oh, this guy. Everyone oh, does Google searches. Oh, oh this guy's Bifigisha, Portista. And they'll be like – and they, they will, in some very stupid way, lose all credibility, which isn't right. Um, I've had the pleasure of meeting with Tom Cunderlin. He runs Portugal.net. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, really nice guy. He's, he's a Portuguese journalist. He's written books on the, the Liga. Yeah. He's a sporting Easter. Right. I've heard him say that. Yeah. Right. He, he doesn't hide it. Right. At the same time, he does his best that he can to talk about the Liga. Right. But my God, when, when the result does not go Vifica's way or Porto's way, how quickly they throw, oh, he's just a sporting Easter, blah, blah, blah. And they throw yeah. it in his face. Or if there's an article that they don't, that doesn't put their club in a certain light, oh, this is the sporting Easter right. Naomi Fika. And I, there is always a little bit of a bias in everyone's statement. Like if right. I did an independent article, which I think exactly. we all can do, they'll go, the guy's Bifikisha. I'm like, yeah, of course I'm Bifikisha, but I'm trying to sometimes talk about topics as neutrally as I can. But in Portugal, you're not allowed. That's illegal. Right. And you can't even do that. Some of, you know, some of uh, my episodes when we play them, I try to be fair. And I'll break down the match. I'll be like, well, I actually like – it was Sporting once. I actually like yeah. what my, Marcel Kaiser did here. It was the one we lost, the second leg. Yeah. I forget the exact move he made, but he adjusted to the beating we had given him a few weeks earlier. And I've got – you know, my Twitter and my, my uh, Facebook and my Instagram are loading up. You're talking too much about our rivals, mate, someone would say. And- yeah, it's, 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 it's an illegal thing. You're not supposed to – it's so funny. You don't see that in many other leagues or any sports. Like no. Portugal is just – it's i i wish them all the best of luck in trying to cover the portuguese league unbiasedly it, it, like it's, it's really a one of a kind like you turn on sky sports after a big english matchup and you're not gonna they're not gonna excuse the commentator of being an arsenal or a chelsea supporter yeah. they're just gonna take what you know his analysis and and take it at face value yeah and they try and i know they sometimes get they also do it in, in england where they love like Henri or they have other guys yeah. or guest guys coming on to talk about the Arsenal side, but, but they try, I find, I at least yeah. even feel like in the English side, even when they bring on a United guy, they'll try to say, oh, they'll be like, yeah, clearly I'm a former, I'm Paul Scholes. Right. Yes. I'm United, but this is where United's gone wrong off the tracks. Yeah. This is where I got to give credit. Rio to Ferdinand Fetters. does a lot of, a lot yeah. of uh, analysis too. And gets yeah, and he, get, and he gets a lot of flack critical of United when necessary. Yeah. And it's tough, but I, I feel Portugal is probably one of the hardest places to do it. And I, I swear the mentality is not going it's it's so to tribal it's, in Portugal. It's a... <laughs> they won't allow it. I don't think they'll allow it. It's, it sounds horrible. I hope they do it. They get away with it and they, they can do a great coverage and, uh, and give us something that's not as toxic. Cause I sadly, what I loved about BTV is that what I hate about BTV is mm-hmm. I felt 
Sport TV for a period of time was not friendly to Bifika. Right. Because they had a couple of people that were, and you kind of, in, in your heat of watching, not your Bifikish, then you'd watch, and I watch a lot of Liga, so I'd watch like a Porto game, and I'd be like, mm-hmm. hey, and you'd hear the same commentators, and next day it's uh, the Bifika game, same commentators, but it's like the way they're commentating was day and night different, and you're like, man, these guys are scunnish. They're just, you know, whatever. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, exactly. But then, so when Bifika got it's like bang fate. But then all of a sudden, it turns to this like rah rah propaganda where it's like there's a horrible play or Bifika yeah. does a terrible. It's like, oh, that's a bad lineup. Why'd you play this guy? Commentator's like, best lineup I've ever seen in my entire life. I swear, <laughs> Mother Teresa couldn't pick anything better than this. Right, right. And you're sitting there like, come on, guys. Come on now. I, 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 I like the Kool Aid. Trust me. I drink the Kool Aid. I wear the Kool Aid. But <laughs> right. like, I'm getting a sugar rush right now. I don't feel good. <laughs> there was one game on BTV this year. I think it was. I forget which game. I think it was Gimaranish where we, we started horrible. Yeah. They were all over us, right? We couldn't even we couldn't keep up with Marcus Edwards and their their and then we get a goal on our first when the goalie uh, oh it was Bovista. It was Bovista. Elton late messes yeah. up the ball and then we score, right? And we played like crap for the first 10, 15 minutes and then Elder Kondut Benfica with one hundred percent efficiency in this match. And it's like you know somebody <laughs> fed that line into his yeah. ear. <laughs> you know there's it's, a producer it, it's that funny. made him say that <laughs> and you have this like and it's it's grown into this like propaganda machine which i, I love the club and i love yeah. i love seeing because originally the idea was oh you're going to do documentaries you're going right. to do locker room scenes you're going to do like uh, classic game stories yeah I get, feed it i love this stuff let's do it and then it became like the talk shows but only pro bifica talk shows yeah exactly which is like and eventually they stopped doing documentaries. They had a few of them. Now they've, this is where it kind of the B, Bifika play kind of irritated me a bit is Bifika play is what BTV was supposed to be. Yeah. And it's as <laughs> if kind of they came out with BTV, got everyone to buy into it. And now they create another paywall. And then they slowly weaned off the content <laughs> yeah, off right, it. And now they right. buy this one now. It's like, wait, wait, right. I was buying this one for that content. Whatever happened yeah. there. Yeah. It, it irritated me a little bit too. And, I uh, I actually even tried to sign up for that. I had all kinds of technical issues with yeah. with Benfica Play. I ended up giving up on it. I ended up giving the money to Benfica Independent on on Patreon. Oh, instead. there we go, there we go. And I, <laughs> they have a better project. They do a better job, yeah, and they yeah, yeah. they've provided me with content. You know, through the whole COVID, uh, yeah. You know, through the pause, hearing all the old timers talk, and I love the old timers. You know, I love to to do a special podcast on an old season and to just review it. And right now, I'm working on. Working on eighty nine ninety for my season finale, reviewing yeah. that season. The reason I picked that season, it was when uh, Erickson returned. So yeah. just like Jesus is returning this season, so I saw the similarities, and I'm interested in how that went. And uh, that's actually that's I, a good idea. That's I, lo- good idea. I love I love like going that. through the old stuff, and and I'm thinking to myself, why is BTV not showing these like season you know reviews? Why can't I you know? Go to BTV next Wednesday and watch the review of a historic Benfica season. Instead, yeah. I got to listen to Pedro Guerra, you know, talk about LFV and how great of a president he is and just defend him. And- oh, yeah. That's just the thing you try to. And that was part one of my conversation with Mario Mata from Benfica After 90. Uh, tune in in about two to three days. In fact, Thursday morning. Okay, Thursday morning. 
1 a.m. Eastern Time here in the United States, 6 a.m. in Portugal. Uh, I will post part two of that conversation, the second hour, and I think you're going to like what you hear in that as well. I want to thank everyone for listening. Of course, thank you to Mario for joining me, and enjoy the football this week between now and the next time you hear from me later this week. There's some Europa League to watch. I know we don't have Benfica yet, and we're all still sitting waiting for a certain uh, a certain announcement or certain officialization of a of a certain signing right now this has been getting dragged on for some weeks so hopefully by the time i come to you again thursday morning uh there'll be some more news in that realm all right carrega benfica força benfica let's do this pelo benfica cuz we are benfica and as george jesus says todos por um et pluribus unum let's go benfica Dam U trinity oito. Proceeding has been a production of the PTB Soccer Network. For more information, you can go to our Instagram page at PTB Soccer or visit us at www.anchor.fm forward slash PTB Soccer, the Parking the Bus Soccer Podcast Network.